Welcome to Closer to the Fire, a podcast from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church around the world. On this episode, we are going to continue our discussion with Floyd Brabell. Floyd is the CEO of the Voice of the Martyrs Canada and talking about the various stages of persecution from his new book, Trouble on the Way, Persecution in the Christian Life. Now, in part one, we heard some of Floyd's journey to his ministry to the persecuted church, the impact it had on him, and why he wrote this book. Now, if you missed that interview, you can go back to the Close to the Fire list of episodes as we discussed ridicule, harassment, discrimination, and defamation. Okay, we're now going to move on to the next forms of persecution. And Floyd, good to have you back on Close to the Fire. Thank you, Greg. It's good to be back. Now, we're going to get into more of the intense persecution, which I think people tend to think about, especially with our ministry, The Voice of the Martyrs. But one of the things you've made very clear is that all forms of persecution uh, need to be recognized. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's very important. And uh, we we cover that quite a bit in our in our last segment. But um, I think Christians, especially in the West, um, have a hard time getting their head around what persecution is and really Persecution is used by the common enemy that we have, the enemy of the church, uh, Satan, to to stop faithful witness. And wherever he can do that, whatever tactic he can use uh, to threaten, to intimidate Christians into um, not fulfilling their calling, which is the Great Commission, or loving their neighbors, loving their enemies, and, and being a faithful witness to Christ, uh, that is a form of persecution. And so I think we need to look at what are all those various stages that will shut down faithful Christian witness. And in many different places in the world, that's going to look different in Canada than it will look in China or North Korea, Saudi Arabia, or you know many of the countries that we work in. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that I took away from that, and, and it reminded me, and it kind of maybe ingrained in me again, anything that would stop the faithful witness of believers. So we live in Canada, you know, people discuss, you know, how much freedom do we have? Are we losing our freedom? Is that being eroded? But regardless of where we are living, there is always going to be that attack to try to shut us down, to keep us from proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Yeah, that's right, Greg. And I think that is where every Christian really needs to focus and, and understanding what are the elements that are coming against faithful Christian witness in the context of where we're living and recognizing those things and then understanding how do we respond to persecution? You know, that, that's probably a whole other book that we can get into. I know you've touched it, uh, uh, on that in, in your book, Closer to the Fire. Uh, and certainly that's something we want to bring to the church in Canada as well is is not only being able to recognize persecution, but to be able to respond positively. So uh, how do we say, we, we come alongside persecuted Christians, not only to help them endure persecution, but to thrive in persecution. And, and it's, I think it's amazing when we hear the testimonies of, of Christians that we're able to interact with and we bring their testimonies back to the church in Canada, that we see this element of, of joyful Christian witness thriving in the midst of, of persecution. And so in some ways we can say there is a real rich soil of persecution that grows Christian faith. Right. And I think that we need to uh, remember that. That's why we can learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ. And they will also say, we want to learn from you. What is it like living right. in a country like Canada 
where you have more freedom. And because you have that freedom, why aren't you on the streets proclaiming the name of Jesus? We can't do this in, you know, Pakistan or some of the other countries that we talk about. So it's important to remember uh, that persecution is a real thing. And as we talked about last time, and I think it's, you know, maybe important to just emphasize again, we don't want to minimize persecution because it's not maybe martyrdom or jail or torture. But if it's preventing us from, you know, proclaiming the message of Jesus, it's persecution. On the other hand, we don't want to make things that, you know, are not persecution, persecution. It's very important. Yeah, that's right. Um, we, we both have a mutual friend uh, who's living here now in Canada, had a ministry in Ethiopia and has been now in Canada for several years. And I think we were astounded one time when he said to us, if you can be a, a, a Christian in Canada, you can be a Christian anywhere. And I think that caught us by surprise because we were, what? This is, this is Canada. We're free to, to live the Christian faith. We're free to go to church without really any fear of harassment or attack. You know, we may get laughed at or, or people call us silly for believing something that is ancient. But other than that, um, why would it be difficult living as a Christian in Canada? And he really touched on the subtle attack of the enemy in the guise of freedom that really constrains our faith, right? And, and, and he has a great point, right? Why, why is the church in Canada shrinking in growth and people leaving the church, our young people checking out of church, not really wanting to get involved? The church in Canada isn't growing, it's in decline. And yet when we look at where, where Christianity is facing much hostility, we see tremendous church growth. And so I think he touches on more of the, maybe the insidious side of persecution that's happening in Canada or the insidious attack on the Christian faith in Canada that is eroding uh, our Christian faith and values today. And that's why it's so important that, and again, you say, well, you guys are biased because you work with a persecuted church. But the reality is we need to hear these stories. We need to, you know, know what our brothers and sisters, the price that they're paying. And many of them, you know, they'd say they're not heroes. You know, we were just trying to live out our Christian life. And then there was attack, you know, and whether it's Nigeria by the Boko Haram or, you know, these blasphemy laws that happen in places like Pakistan, they're forced to make a decision. Some, as we know, you know, they, they do cower back and, you know, because we know that in the persecuted church, not everybody uh, has that strong faith. That's the same as it is in Canada. But we need to hear the stories, right, Floyd? We need to be praying. And, you know, the scripture that I often, you know, quote often, you know, Second Corinthians 12, 26, is if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And it's in that suffering that it makes our faith stronger. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think to touch back on your point to say that, that maybe we're biased because our, you know, our whole ministry is focused on persecution. I, I don't think that's completely accurate. And, and it, it's, yes, it's persecution, but it's persecution in terms of discipleship, faithful witness, right? So, so think about when Jesus sent out his disciples. Uh, we, we read that in the Gospels. He, he sends them out and tells them what they're going to do. You're going to go preach in my name. You're going to be able to heal. You're going to, um, you're going to demonstrate the kingdom to to people that you meet. But then he says, you're going to face trouble, right? You're going to face hardship. You're going to be, you're going to be taken in front of, of magistrates. You're going to be harassed. You're going to be kicked out of, out of cities. You're going to be, uh, some of you, yeah, you're going to suffer as a result. 
So think about if, if and, and I think that's why if there's a bias for Voice of the Martyrs when it comes to persecution, it's because we see that teaching not taught in our discipleship models for the most part in the church in Canada. So think about a pastor stands up, tells his congregation, this weekend we're going to do this. Uh, we're just going to go out and we're going to evangelize and we're going to go out and we're going to do good. Uh, we're going to speak to people. We're going, we're going to bring hope into hopeless situations, maybe feed some of the hungry. We're, we're going to, but we're also going to present the gospel, right? Um, and, and I think some people would be, most people would be up for that and say, okay, there's an activity that we can get involved in. I, I think it drives many of us out of our comfort zone, but, yep. but we, can, we can agree to do that. But then if he follows it up and says, but I also want to prepare you that you're going to be laughed at. You may be spit at. Uh, someone may hit you physically, punch you or slap you because of your testimony and your faithfulness in presenting the gospel in the context of doing good as well. Or you might get arrested. You might get kicked out of a, a place, a, a shopping mall where you're, where you're um, presenting the message. They may give you a fine. Maybe they arrest you. How many of us would be up for that if we know that there's a great cost in being a disciple? And, and you know, we don't teach that enough in Canada. And I think that our message, Greg, I think that why we're so passionate about the stories that we tell is because we see this missing element in our faith. So it's not that persecution becomes everything. But I think, I think we really tried to drive home the point to say, in fact, persecution is, is it's terrible in some sense, but it's not that big a deal because Christ is sufficient. He comes through and shines through in our weakness. And we, we see that in testimony after testimony after testimony, the faithfulness of Christ to his followers, to his disciples as they, as they go out and, and do the work that he's called them to. You know, and, and I'm thinking, you know, where Jesus did say, count the cost, you know, and I think right. where I know it's been referred to as an easy believism, you know, it's, you know, easy to come to Jesus and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, everybody head bowed and, you know, nobody looking around and then making that decision right. and almost in a secret way. I'm not, and I'm not putting it down. I've done that many times when I sure. have done what we call an altar caller, you know, people to accept Jesus as their personal savior. So there is a cost no matter what, and it just kind of flies over our head at times. So we talked about uh, ridicule, harassment, discrimination, and defamation, and some of the things that you talked about, you know, here even in Canada that we could, you know, potentially suffer with could fall into those categories. Now we're going to move on to the next form of persecution, which is attack. And the definition from your book, Trouble on the Way, is to set upon in a forceful, violent, hostile, or aggressive way with or without weapons. And I think the countries that come to mind here, you know, Pakistan, India, or even southern Mexico, to name a few. Yeah, that's right. And I think this is where um, persecution uh, suddenly becomes much more physical and, and much more um, uh, dangerous, if you will, uh, to the physical body. Um, so we see attack range in, in many different ways, right? So we'll see uh, churches being burned down, right? We, have, we see many photos. We hear many stories of churches being attacked. Um, you know, bombs thrown into the building, um, 
and uh, and churches being burned. Um, we've we've gone to locations in 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 many different places, India, Sri Lanka, just to name a few countries where we we stood in the ruins of a church. You know, we saw the the burned equipments on the ground. We saw Bibles melted into uh, floor mats, and we've seen the burned embers, and 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 yet we see this 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 congregation now without a church that are continuing to worship sometimes even in the midst of the rubble they continue to meet yeah. or they 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 worship on the same property but maybe under a tree or under a tent or you know in china we you know there's video footage of of churches being demolished you know bulldozers coming and and demolishing churches and and there is actually footage of one big house church it's funny it's called a house church and they have this big building but i guess you would call it an unregistered church of it, of it being uh, blown up, uh, dynamite strategically placed around the, the church, and it demolished completely. So we see that form of attack, and then we see also the physical attack. And uh, we've witnessed and, and, uh, and listened to pastors, evangelists uh, who have been attacked simply because they are preaching the gospel, the sharing the faith with, with others, and, and many stories of... of, uh, of uh, yeah, um, just brutal attack that that lays them in hospitals. That, that sometimes they come out of out of the attack, not the same physically. You know, they they walk with a limp or or they're missing limbs. We've seen uh, countless uh, of Christians that are uh, missing a hand or or missing a foot um, because of an attack to to their faith because of their faith. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we do with Voice of the Martyrs, and I know other ministries to the persecuted church is in the whole area of the medical. I mean, Nigeria, of course, we've seen so many, you know, horrific stories. Uh, you know, we think of people, you know, in Pakistan that have been attacked, uh, you know, homes burned, they've suffered, you know, damage to their bodies. Uh, we think of a young lady named Manini uh, that we have, mm -hmm. you know, tracked with over the years. And, and again, the, the amazing faith that comes out of that. But you also have to be reminded as well that, you know, for a lot of these people, that whole aspect of the healing takes time. There is depression involved. Right. There's even a crisis of faith at times, the same as we have here. So it's important that we, you know, stand along with our brothers and sisters that are under attack. I mean, we hear the brutal stories of, of pastors' wives being, you know, kidnapped in countries like India and then right. sex trafficked. And then you can only imagine the trauma upon that community. So that's a big part of why we do what we do is to stand, encourage uh, the church and help them in ways that we can. It's again, these attacks will continue, we believe, until the return of Jesus. Mm -hmm. To the next one, Floyd, detainment. Uh, I think a lot of people yeah. are familiar with that. You know, we think, of course, North Korea, uh, Eritrea, uh, Iran, some of those countries, China, of course. China fits in in many of the categories, as do some of these other countries like North Korea. But detainment is to seize, capture, or take, or keep in custody by the authority of the law. Explain that. Yeah, you're right, Greg. We we certainly see different levels of detainment or imprisonment, if that's what we call it. Um, detainment would be more of a a Christian being brought in for questioning. Now that questioning might last an hour to three hours to maybe days where they're just, just detained. They're, they're kept in one room or, or moved from place to place. And, and they're questioned, they're interrogated. Uh, sometimes if they're pastors, they're, they're asked about who's coming to their church. They're asked about members. They're asked about 
details of membership or who are the other leaders within the congregation or their denomination. Uh, so they're, they're, they're really, uh, and intimidated as well. Um, we certainly see that in the Bible, right? Where uh, some of the apostles, Peter and John were detained and, and uh, questioned and then threatened. Say, okay, we'll let you go, but no more preaching in Jesus' name, right? And of course, we know their answer. We, they kept preaching. Do, yeah, yeah. That's right. We cannot help but preach, right? And and many many times that for for Christians that are detained and they're threatened that way, that's the same response that they know their responsibility and 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 they continue to faithfully and gladly uh, continue to preach. And then there are those that are arrested, and and certainly we. You know, we, we've seen that in China and Iran. Uh, in, uh, in China, we've been able to respond and, and working with our good friend Bob Fu and, and helping with some legal defense. You know, Christians uh, in Canada ask, well, you're doing legal defense in China. Does that mean that there's a chance of, of them being found innocent? And I said, no, uh, if you're arrested, you're, you're guilty. Uh, but the difference of between a good lawyer and no legal representation could be mean a, a number of years in a, a concentration camp or prison, right? So um, they may be able to uh, lessen their amount of uh, prison time, but it's also then also bearing the financial legal responsibility, taking that off the family because they would be the ones that would have to pay for a lawyer. Uh, so that helps. And then we see in Iran where where Christians are, are put in into prison and, um, and just in deplorable conditions and and yet they continue to faithfully witness i, I know there's a, a friend now um we, we've he he was uh, i think he's now in turkey um he he was arrested in iran and uh pastor of his church and it's interesting that their their mentality is that you know um well uh i'm in prison um god's called me to be a pastor my calling hasn't changed, so I guess I'll be a pastor here in prison. Wow. And they take that up, and they, they just do faithful ministry just in a whole new environment and context. And they are, because, you know, you, you realize that it's not only Christians that are arrested. They're, they have probably, they, they are now exposed to uh, mostly nonbelievers, violent criminals, um, maybe sometimes even sex offenders, uh, and they are now being able to bring the light of the gospel into uh, a, not only a physically dark place, but a spiritually dark place as well and shine his light. You know, in Canada, we think the worst thing that could happen to us is to be thrown in prison because that will ruin our reputation. Uh, we'll get a record and that will follow us wherever we go. Uh, but Christians in these countries, they don't, that's not the first thing they think of. They, you know, they, they, they enter knowing that very, you know, ministry, knowing that they could very well face prison uh, and they prepare and they're ready to count that cost and, uh, and live faithfully. Yeah. One of the, and one of the things I think it's important to, you know, why voice of the martyrs is involved in, you know, some of these situations with legal costs, lawyers, things like that is because a lot of these families just do not have the resources. And it also brings incredible encouragement that they know there are other people that are praying for them in prison. And you and I have met people that have been in prison for their faith, you know, from Iran, uh, Eritrea, places like that. And to know that there are people on the outside that are praying for them. And, and again, 
some of the things that we do with Voice of the Martyrs, we can't talk a lot about because of security issues. We don't want to get our brothers and sisters in any further trouble. But the encouragement that they receive when they know that there are people that are willing to stand with them, Floyd, goes a long way to encouraging them in their faith. Yeah, it is incredible. And uh, we know that that happens because we, we've actually had some, some people that we know that have been in prison. Uh, we think of uh, uh, Peter Jasek. Uh, when we read his book, Imprisoned with Isis, um, uh, just just going to sleep in a in a terrible condition, uh, surrounded by in his jail cell, surrounded by people that wanted to do him harm, uh, and yet finding peace, a peace that passes any understanding, to be able to every night go to sleep. And, and go to sleep undisturbed and sleep peacefully. And then when he came home, realizing that at, at, at the moments where the time where he was going to sleep in his cell, that people in his home church at that very time were praying for him. Mm-hmm. And I think he even writes that there are moments in prison where there's a hopelessness that sets in that there is also a faith that rises that really can only be answered by, in some ways you get, a, you get a sense of the presence of Christ with you, but also a sense of people surrounding you, praying for you. Uh, we, we've heard that testimony from Pastor Andrew Brunson, mm-hmm. who was arrested in Turkey, and, uh, and, and listening to his testimony and reading his book. Um, and, and we certainly have met Christians uh, in in other countries where they they say the same thing, and and just realizing that they are part of a bigger body, that they're not alone, um, and that other people are praying for them. It it's huge. It's huge. It is huge. And you know when uh, you know again we've had opportunity to meet many of these people, and some of them are like our friends when they get in prison for doing the same kind of work. But you know they do share. Honestly, there was a time of despair, like, God, have you forsaken me? And then they do feel that peace that passes understanding. And, you know, we can know those verses. And but when it's in those kinds of situations, and I know with, you know, Andrew Brunson, Peter Yasek and others that uh, that have had these experiences, how God opened up some pretty amazing doors for them to share the gospel for people that even hated them at, at the beginning and in some cases still did at the end, but there were those that did respond to the message. Okay, let's move on now to torture. Uh, again, from your book, uh, Trouble on the Way, to inflict excruciating pain and punishment or revenge as a means of getting a confession or information or a subjection to sheer cruelty. Again, North Korea pops up there. We think of Nigeria with groups like the Boko Haram. Uh, you know, there's also, you know, Somalia with Al-Shabaab, uh, parts of uh, Eritrea, also Vietnam. So, Floyd, this is something that goes on in a lot of countries and can be pretty uh, discouraging for our friends in Christ. And some, again, they suffer, you know, for the rest of their lives because of some of the things that they've had to go through. Yeah, that's right, Greg. And um, I think when Christians in Canada or the West think of persecution, probably torture would be one of the words that comes first and foremost to their thinking. Uh, because we've certainly heard that, right? We, we heard of Richard Wormbrandt's story, Tortured for Christ. And wow, when you read some of the things that 
uh, he endured, and not only him, but but of course other Christians in in who he was in prison with. You 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 stop and you think and and shake your head and go, what what human mind can think of the evil done to another human being? And you realize that it can only be demonic, and uh, because there's such an evil uh, side to it. And so Richard actually spent a lot of time uh, speaking about the tortures. And, and even then he writes in his book, and I'm, I'm only writing some of the things that uh, uh, I think that you can handle. If I told you everything that I went through in prison, I don't think that, that you'd be able to handle it. And you think, wow, what is he shielding us from? Because some of the things that he wrote were pretty awful. Um, but that still carries on today. And it is, it is a means of, of yeah, just, just destroying the body yeah. destroying the mind and and getting people to a place where maybe they recant we saw that in in the the inquisitions of the church how how those that uh were were trying to be faithful right they were what were they doing they were burned at the stake yeah. they were threatened with drowning they were and yet they were always given a way out uh to recant they were they were uh, tied to the the stake and and pulled apart their limbs pulled apart um, so you read some of these things uh, in early church and, and church history. But, but to think that that continues today, some of the abuses that go on in prison uh, where Christians are, are persecuted, it's, 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 it's numbing, it's mind-boggling. And, and yet um, we can prepare for this type of persecution. Uh, will that ever come to Canada? I don't know, but I think but I think we need to be prepared, right? Richard Warmbrandt tells a story uh, of, uh, of a doctor coming to him. Um, and he writes this in a, in a paper that he wrote, preparing for the underground church. Uh, this doctor came to him and said that uh, she was really concerned about being tortured. And how do you prepare for being tortured? And Richard said, well, that's easy. Every time you come home, you ask your husband to hit you over the head with a broom. Oh. Now, I, I don't think that that would get, a, we get away with that today. No. But his point was, yeah. you can also physically prepare and you can mentally prepare. And of course, you mentally prepare by meditating on scripture. Because, you know, even, even he said that if he was told what he would have to endure in prison before he went to prison, he didn't think that he would be able to handle it. And yet in the moment of, of such pain and suffering, the grace of God comes in at the moment of greatest despair and physical need and enables him to continue to live for Christ and continue to be faithful and to, and to, um, to serve him. And he says that there actually, there actually is a, a psychologically and physically a breaking point in, in torture where, where and and this is where torturers become very uh, clever in their work because they know if they push it too far, there comes a point where it doesn't matter to the person anymore, and then no matter what they do after that, um, it's not going to make a difference. And so, uh, so Richard was saying that that with the help of God, torture can be endured, and you can continue to be a faithful witness even in the midst of such suffering. Yeah, and I think one of the things we have to remember, Floyd, that, you know, uh, Richard Wormbrand, and we certainly look up to him, and but he is a human just like the rest of us, and that's something that really caught me when he talked about that, 
the fact that, you know, if he hadn't known what he was going to go through, he probably said, I, I don't think I could have endured it. But then, you know, it's, it's interesting as in my devotions this morning and, you know, just reading about Jesus, he lived his whole life in the shadow of the cross, which of course became the name of Glenn Penner's book, uh, talking about uh, persecution and discipleship. And many of our brothers and sisters are living under that constant situation and that constant fear in that sense that at any time they could be arrested. And I know there are people that we pray with, some of our partners around the world that are living in those kinds of situations. You know, and, and I know for me, sometimes I've even felt a little bit of guilt. I get to get back on an airplane and come back to the safety of my home in Canada. And many of our brothers and sisters won't go. They say, no, I'm called here. And that's the amazing thing. And I know Richard Wormbrand, of course, he stood up, you know, in Romania and said, I won't go along with the communists. My loyalty is to Jesus. So, Floyd, I think it's important that we remember that the Lord won't give us more than we can handle. And I think if he would share, told, you know, told us what we would be having to endure, we'd probably say, I'm, I'm out of here. And so I think it's important for, you know, us, you know, people listening to this podcast is not to disconnect yourself from our persecuted brothers and sisters. We're all in this together. It's just our situations are different than where we happen to be living. That's right, Greg. I, I don't think that we should um, discount any type of persecution that we face. And I think that we just need to be prepared and we can prepare now today. And I say, I think that reading your Bible, especially the New Testament, with the eyes of, of what we're Christians facing, uh, because, you know, as Glenn pointed out in his book, the New Testament, mainly the Bible, but in particular the New Testament, was written by persecuted Christians for persecuted Christians. And so really look at, at when you read, start reading the Bible, look at it through the lens of persecution. And, and what are you learning? What is God revealing about himself through those that are suffering because of their faithfulness to him? Read about, uh, you know, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and, and, and read, read uh, uh, how the early church um, not only endured, but thrived in persecution. And our early church fathers and um, uh, Christians uh, throughout history that have endured. And I, th I think that uh, if, if that becomes part of our thinking, um, I think it prepares us uh, for whatever trouble lies before us. Okay, the last one, martyrdom. The name of our ministry is the Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, that means the conditions, suffering or death of a martyr, which we'll get into this, which means witness. And uh, so you really try to bring that out in the book that martyrdom is not just somebody dying for their faith in Jesus. The definition, of course, we know for martyr is witness. And so in some ways, the persecution scale starts with martyrdom because uh, we are faithful witness to the gospel. So what does that mean? That we are willing to die to ourselves, our own desires, our fleshly desires, our own wants and needs. Uh, for the sake of the gospel, but that we're also willing then to die to the things of the world, that we don't think like the world thinks, that we don't uh, desire the things that the world desires. We think differently. And so we die to those things. We are martyred to those things so that we can be a witness, uh, a faithful witness to the work of Christ. And it's interesting that if we do that, that we live that way as martyrs, we're living martyrs then, then the persecution gale starts. 
And then it can end with a physical, bloody, violent death, um, which not all of us are called to. In fact, I think if you look at all the persecution in the world, uh, uh, a lesser percentage are called to that type of martyrdom. But again, that martyrdom is used by God for faithful witness. And I, I think, well, Greg, you, I mean, you met a person in Nigeria, uh, part of the Boko Haram, um, who was quite active in actually killing, martyring pastors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then one time, he, he martyred a pastor, and the way that that pastor died witnessed to this man in such a way that he realized he could no longer attack the church. And in fact, he himself became a Christian and followed Christ. And so there is a great testimony, even in our martyrdom, death, if that's what God calls us to. And I think we can't lose sight of that, right? That we, we often think of, uh, or we worry about, um, will I be faithful? How can I face, you know, what kind of death will I face? And again, we don't know. But I think if we focus on the fact that God is faithful and he, he won't give us anything more that we can't endure. He, he is with us in the fire. He is with us, uh, you know, when the, when the, when the, whether the gun is put to your head or, or whether the knife is at your throat or however the, uh, the attack comes. We, we need to then see with eyes of faith that whatever happens to this physical body, um, may it be, as Paul said, a witness to Christ, whether I live or whether I die, may I be a faithful witness to Christ so that those that uh, are far may see the light. You know, that reminds me of a story of a guy named Saul who witnessed the first martyr of the church, fellow named Stephen. Obviously, it impacted him. We see how God uses martyrdom. You know, Floyd, one of the things that uh, I've thought, too, uh, about is, you know, Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before the Father. I think that we often will put that into perspective. If I had a gun at my head, deny Jesus or you will die. Uh, But I think it's a lot more than that. So it's about our witness. I think it's how we live our daily lives. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Greg, I do. I think that, you know, we often think of the scenario, if, if someone put a gun to my head, and said, deny Jesus, or I will pull the trigger, what will we do? And I think that, or when I've contemplated that, I find that that's almost an impossible question to answer. I know what I would like to say in that moment, but will I say it in that moment? That's true. Um, So I think for me, then the question becomes, how am I living my life for Christ now, today? You know, every day in our little moments and interactions with people or wherever we are, we have the opportunity to deny Christ or proclaim Christ. Right. And sometimes it's not even in our words, but it's in our actions. So I think of this often when I'm driving, because probably, you know, there's a reason I don't have a little fish symbol on my, on my car, on the bumper of my car, because I'm not often the best witness for Christ on the road. But I use that as an example because even on the road, I have an opportunity in my driving, the way I drive, whether I'm obeying the speed limit or not, the opportunity to proclaim or deny Christ. It really is that simple. And I think that if we think about the little moments every day, the decisions that we make, 
the people that we interact with and the opportunities we have to proclaim our faith or, or to really live out what we believe, then I think if we are faithful in doing that daily, make that a practice, make that a habit, make that very much a part of our living. I think that the bigger question then gets answered for us because I, again, I, I, I think that it, it, it really is not about uh, only about us. It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit working in us uh, to be that faithful witness that he's called us to be. And we, you know, that's, that's his role in our life. And, and, and I think that the more we open up to the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit, letting our, our mind and our thinking be transformed by his word, um, I don't think we need to worry about persecution as this and martyrdom as this big, ugly thing that's out there. I, th I think that we just, we can just simply live our lives as believers, regardless of, of these things that come uh, and regardless of what level they come at us. Well, Floyd, there's a lot more that we could discuss, but, uh, we, and we will in the future here on this podcast, and we look forward to live events again, when we can be together with people and have question and answer. And uh, we may even do some things here online as well. So be watching for that at uh, vomcanada.com. Again, the name of the book is Trouble on the Way, Persecution in the Christian Life and available from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. You can order your copy by going to vomcanada.com slash trouble, just $12. Again, Floyd, thank you for taking the time today and uh, we look forward to continuing to learn from each other and from our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Yeah, thank you, Greg. It's been good to be here and to, to talk about these very important topics in our Christian walk. And if you're enjoying this podcast, by the way, let your friends and family know uh, we want to get the word out. We want to, again, bring teaching and stories from our persecuted brothers and sisters to strengthen us and to encourage us in our walk with Jesus. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.